Hello and welcome to My Green Podcast, the show about accessible, sustainable living. I'm Jarvis Smith. I'm Katie Hill. And I'm Joe Wood. This is the show where we look at how to live a sustainable, ethical life without drastically altering your lifestyle or blowing up your bank accounts. Everything from quality green products and where to get them to easy changes you can make now to make the world a healthier place. Later in the show, we'll be joined by one of the world's superwomen, Diane Dane. But first, let's have a look at some of the recent green news. So, COPEXX, what is that? Well, we all know that COP26 is coming up, it's in November, it's where the world leaders get together and basically uh, decide on our fate when it comes to the climate crisis and what everybody and businesses and governments and countries have to do in order to mitigate uh, perhaps the biggest issue on the planet right now. Um, So, COPEXX was really um, a campaign that was to really involve women and feminine decision-making. It was launched at the World Humanitarian Forum last month. I mean, the challenge is that women everywhere are undervalued in the major decisions of our time. And what we want to do with COPEXX, because I'm involved in it, is bring values of care and nature and the love of the planet to help meet COP26's goals. Now, we're going to hear much more about this with today's guest, Diana Dane. So I'm going to shut up about it now. We'll move on to our next subject. This year, Earth Overshoot Day lands on the 29th of July. So if you think about the planet's biological resources as an annual budget, after the 29th of July, we will be in deficit. Uh, gosh, July oh the 29th, that's so, so we'll, have all, we'll have already used all of the biological resources that the Earth can renew or regenerate within 12 months. I mean, so, this, oh is, this is God. catastrophic. It is. It's, um, it, was, it, it was a bit... It changed. I mean, this is going back to almost 2019 levels. Um, it, it changed a little bit last year because of lockdowns and things like that. Um, but we're kind of creeping back now to where to where we were the year before that. So. Well, in the 10, 12, 13 years I've been doing this, I remember it was November, October back then. So this is this is moving very, very, very quickly. So what do we do? Well, Joe, it's a really simple equation. Everything that we eat, use, wear, live in, work on, travel in, the whole thing all comes from nature, right? Everything. The problem is we take, 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 take and have taken. We haven't given anything back. So we need an age of restoration. We need people to think about when they're buying something, only buy it if you absolutely need it. And are you buying it from a company that is giving back to nature at the same time as you're buying it? Like my green pod, you know, completely self yeah. um, promotion here, but we plant a tree for every single transaction if people shop with us. Now, if everybody did that um, it, in terms of where you shop, in the UK alone, there was 40 billion transactions in 2019. If there was My a tree planted God. for every transaction, that would be 40 billion trees, which would uh, total up to 40 billion tonnes of carbon sequestration, which is the world's human consumption. So in the UK alone, we could mitigate and restore our planet just from our our transactions in our country. How cool is that? That is so great. And I love what you said, uh, the age of restoration. We've just had the age of plastic. Everything was plastic, including plastic surgery. (laughs) But now (laughs) it's the age of restoration. Restore our bodies, restore our planet, 
restore the world to its beauty. And, oh, God. Yeah. How and this is it, the UN's de- decade of ecosystem restoration. I think that there's a realisation now that we can actually close the emissions gap by 25% by 2030 just by restoring the carbon sinks that we already have. So peat and trees, it's so obvious, but just looking after them could make a massive impact. I think one of the reasons for Earth Overshoot Day um, creeping forwards this year is the massive deforestation that's been happening in the Amazon. So you ask what we can do. It's it's about companies that that aren't abusing the, the rainforest and cutting them down. Herbie's not happy about this one at he's all. Not, Herbie, I'm he's sorry. No, he's not. <laughs> sorry. But, but no. you know, you know what else is, is really, really important to say, Joe. And I, I'm glad you've, you you identified the age of restoration is the key to this. It absolutely is. Every single one of us can be responsible for this aspect of of, of, of embedded restoration into transactions. So we can all buy stuff from companies that are planting trees in the tropics. That's a really easy thing for any individual to do. The other really important thing, and I just was just flabbergasted by this, the term consumer, right, is what's labelled to people that that shop and buy stuff. And so, you know, Claire Dubois, who who we've got in a future interview, she said to us, we need to turn from becoming, from being consumers to restorers. Imagine if we all called ourselves restorers instead of consumers. That would change everything. I'm going to definitely start using that restorer because I believe I'm a real conscious buyer and uh, I I hate buying anything new. That's why my house is full of old furniture. <laughs> Joe, um, if you are buying anything new, can you just spend all your money with us? Because that would really help us. Yes, I, I, in fact, I really need to do another shop with you. I really, really do. Um, so I, I, I definitely will do that. Um, I might do it tomorrow, actually. Uh, but yeah, this is the age, age of restoration. Let it begin now. Yeah, we've we've called it. We are backing it, and we want all of our listeners to start thinking about how they can be part of an age of restoration and become a restorer and not a consumer. Boom. And not not use one point seven Earths, which is what we're currently using. Oh my God! Oh we my can God. we can change the world in how we spend our money. I've said that for years. Yeah, we can. And, you know, just behind the scenes, Joe, I'm working, doing a project with the UNFCCC, who are the organisers of COP26. And actually, I mean, Diane's going to talk about this a bit more in our interview, but we are actually working on a huge global, um, all the countries involved, um, restoration plan, which is involving people, brands and government. So watch this space because there's something very exciting evolving. Gosh, how cool. I can't wait. All right, well, let's do our final item today is about how some species are dependent on the outcome of COP26. Katie, you wrote about this recently. I did, yeah. This is just a, it's a bit of a sad one, really, I suppose. It's just a reminder that we really do need to, a a reminder of the consequences if we don't stick to that 1.5 degree temperature rise. Um, I think the current trajectory is that we're, we're going towards 2.4 degrees above pre-industrial levels by the end of the century. And that's going to be completely catastrophic for people and for nature. So there was a report done by WWF that just kind of talks about um, all the various species that are going to be in real trouble if we don't limit global warming to 1.5 degrees 
So they've said that mountain hares in the highlands are already keeping their winter coat for a long time after the snow's melted. So that may, means that they're more vulnerable to predators. The bluebells are blooming out of sync with the seasons. Bumblebees are overheating because they're working hard to pollinate plants and crops. And it's just the nature and the animals that, that are really going to suffer if we don't stick to our commitments and really try and keep warming to below two degrees. And yeah, I, do. I mean, this is absolutely devastating because nature is the one single thing that is going to be able to fix this problem. It's not going to be human designs and technologies and things like that. It's going to be nature. Even in the UK this year, Joe, because of the, the way the climate temperatures changed so dramatically, we thought we were coming to spring and the plants popped up. Yeah. Then we had serious frost that killed them all off. And we were very, very, very close to not being able to have any decent harvest this year. I mean, we literally were saved by the skin of our teeth by some rain that we had um, at the end of spring. But otherwise, yeah. you know, we would have been like seriously out of food just in the UK. Imagine what's going on in Africa and, you know, those, those countries that are really badly affected by the temperature rises. We, we've got it easy here. And, you know, I also think that what they're doing in America with all the GMO crops because it takes everything out of the, the earth, it's going to turn it into like nothing earth and they won't be able to grow anything. Yeah, I mean, that's that. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, gosh, I don't even know that's where to begin with story. that. It is, but it's a big one. It is a big one. But I think, you know, the most important thing about this subject is, is that, again, each individual can actually be supportive of doing something about it in the way that we choose to live. I read this report that was done by... Um, uh, the Lords, actually, um, and it basically said that 65% of the issue um, can be fixed by behavioural change. 65%. Oh my God. And then the other percentages were split quite quite evenly between technology and uh, energy, the way we use our energy. But 65% behavioural change, that's me and you and everybody that we know just changing our lifestyle. That's a cause for hope, isn't it? Well... I'm doing it. That's nice. I like that. Well, I'm doing it. That's a nice ending. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, we got COP26 in Glasgow this year where, you know, we actually are going to have a lot of power to be able to influence the decisions that are being made. We can, you know, march to COP26, march to Glasgow. We can make noise. We can make banners. We can get our children involved. Everybody should be making as much noise as we possibly can. And one of the ways you can do it actually is going to copexec.org and actually giving voice to the things that you want to be discussed at COP26 this year. time for our regular feature let's talk about six six easy steps anyone can make to lead a more sustainable life and today we talk about step two what we put in our homes oh so it's kind of what we use in our homes right you know products yeah. cleaning products yeah oh what my you gosh. wash up with what where you... do we start I mean, with this most people don't realize about room sprays and uh, just everything what they clean their floors and um my cleaner i had a new cleaner start the other day and i heard this Shh. and i said what are you doing 
she said, I'm just spraying each room with an air freshener. I said, no. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, you can't do that in my house. You <laughs> cannot do that in my house. She had no idea. No, she I mean, that's absolutely... the problem. <laughs> Most people's homes are more toxic inside than the streets on the outside. Why? Because the concoction of different cleaning products that they're using. And Katie, you can explain this in a bit more clever words because I just know the basics. Well, it's more than just that. It's everything. It's literally everything. There are things called volatile organic compounds, VOCs, which I think a lot yeah. of people will have heard of. But they come off everything. They come off sofas. They come off curtains. They come off fabrics that have been ble- that have been just treated with horrible chemicals. They come off carpets that have just been that are synthetic and been cheaply made. They, they come. They come off, off paint. They come off paint. paint. Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, totally. They come off everything. Like our, our homes are just coated in in chemicals, and they just they do get into the air. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The air inside a home is is more polluted than it is outside with all those fumes and emissions from diesel and petrol cars going past. It's just insane. It's absolutely insane. And this is this is back to that kind of restoration thing, isn't it? If we can be using products that are kinder to the planet and obviously kinder to us by by default, then that is much better for our kind of local ecosystem our homes and where we, you know, where our families live, you know, the most treasured part of our world are living in these homes that are toxic. It's just like people don't get it, do they? But how are companies allowed to sell the products? That's what I, I cannot fathom it because you can't blame people for going and buying a tin of paint and thinking, okay, I, I, I'm going to paint a nursery. But they don't, people don't know. And they would, they would never, ever in a million years suspect that a paint for a nursery is going to contain toxic chemicals it's just it's criminal well i'm blown away by just the sofa and the mattresses and you know these things that you kind of you know sit on and trust i mean you know we sleep like is it over over a third of our lives and you could be sleeping on basically a toxic uh, substance which most people are i mean we actually bought an organic mattress joe um, oh you did did yeah, you <laughs> it's really comfy. <laughs> oh dear! Yes, I, I mean, I, I, uh, I've had my mattress for years. I know they say you just change it, but I, I've had mine for years. I love my mattress, but I always use organic sheets and yeah, organic uh, feather pillows, organic cotton. Yeah, I, I, everywhere I try and make sure that I don't put any horrible chemicals in my house, and and I think I can feel it that the feel the sort of less no chemicals in my house you know I can it feels non-chemical yeah. and if you want to have if you want to put an air freshener or something in your in your house why just like a joystick and open the window well, yeah, essential I mean, oils yeah. you know, essential oils yeah we've got I mean as you know Joe we've got all of these products that we've curated tested handpicked vetted met the founders they're all on my green pod so if you do feel like you want you know a little kind of you know nice smelling product in your house then you know buy something that's natural 
And like go, my candle. Exactly, Joe. We've got your candles on our website as well. So, you know, it's They're like we, we've done all the work and, you know, we, we've tried to find the best products we can. And people just need to understand that if you go to our site, you can buy something that you can trust and you're going to plant a tree in the tropics for the transaction. And, and therefore, you know, if you need to get it, at least get it from somebody that's supporting you and not these companies that really do not care about you, your children or the planet or future generations. But not only that, you will feel better in yourself when you're not breathing in chemicals. Oh, completely. Yeah, well-being. Yeah. Some of these products are a lot more expensive. And I think we do just have to kind of touch on that because um, they do cost more. But at the same time, it's kind of it's one of the it's a bit like really cheap food, isn't it? The question should be how are air fresheners so how is it possible to make them that cheap? They shouldn't be that cheap. What's in them to make them that cheap? If you want to buy something that's not going to be damaging, then it is going to cost a bit more. Or if you really haven't got the cash, just don't use the other ones. Don't use those horrible lube air fresheners and air fresheners for your living room and things. Just just chuck them all away. Honestly, don't use them. And then get a, yeah. just go and pick a bunch of flowers or something. And, and you know, you can use lemons as a great yeah. cleaner. You know, um, and there's all different. Vinegar's great to clean windows. There's all sorts of things that you can find out. Soda. Yeah, by carbonate soda. You just need to Google and, and have a look at natural cleaning products that you can make at home. You know what? You're so right. I've been blown away by some of these uh, videos on YouTube and things of people just doing natural cleaning products. They are amazing. And you're so right. You know what? Don't buy anything from us. Just make your own stuff. You won't be, <laughs> you won't be vinegar for cleaning glass. It's the best. Vinegar and newspaper. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much out there that you can do uh, and we should do. It makes life more interesting as well, as well as you feeling much healthier. Yeah, and, and, and I think you identified it. It's like be as natural as you possibly can. You know, nature was intended for a reason to sustain life. The more we can just be in collaboration and use, use its natural resources, you know, we're going to be obviously much more in, in, in balance with nature. That's the secret. Coming up next, Joe and Jarvis talk to today's special guest, Diane Day. Our guest today is the Chief Innovation Officer for the World Humanitarian Forum and the co-founder of COPXX. Welcome to My Green Podcast, Diana Dane. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. What an honor. Welcome, Diane. Thank you so much, Joe. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love being here. I love this energy. <laughs> thank you. Well, <laughs> we, we haven't even started, so that's a, that's a great start. <laughs> I, wanted to, I know, to... but I've listened to you. I've listened to you, so I know what's coming. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. We, we have a fan, Joe. We have a fan. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so so let's start with the World Humanitarian Forum, Diane. Tell us about the work that organization does, please. Well, I would love to talk to you about that. They are an amazing organization. They're the largest, actually the largest and most inclusive forum in humanitarian aid and international development which we need so desperately right now. Um, We know the UN has said they're facing the greatest humanitarian crisis that we've seen since 
uh, World War II since they were created. So, yeah. you know, actually what we need is exactly more emphasis on solutions, which is, this is what the World Humanitarian Forum brings together. So they bring together humanitarian aid, tools, leaders in this space. Um, the World Humanitarian Summit was started in 2016 in Turkey. It was held in Istanbul. And um, so many good initiatives came out of that. It was uh, held by the UN um, and it was highly supported by the, all the UN agencies. And what we really need right now is, is more of this. We need to come together and really build solutions and really support one another. We need fewer divisions and we need more solidarity, more coming together and more being uh, united. I believe the forum is really a place to do that. They're an international knowledge exchange platform and they really sit at the intersection of government aid development and innovation, which is aimed to improve the lives of millions in need. We, we don't wanna leave anyone behind and too many people are being left behind now. Such a huge, huge job, isn't it? It really is. And we have climate change coming too, which is you know gonna exacerbate this problem so much. So. Um, we all need to be, you know, moving in the same direction. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, tell me about COPXX. Well, thank you for asking. Um, COPXX, so let me tell you what it stands for, first of all. So COP, so many people don't understand what this stands for, but it's really stands for the Conference of Parties. And this is the, the COP has been going on for a, I'm not sure exactly how many years, but we're at COP26 coming up in Glasgow um, the first two weeks of November. So you can see there's been at least 26 con conferences of parties to set climate change policies. And it's the, the government leaders come together and they set policy changes for, and they commit to um, positive changes within their countries in support of the environment. Uh, and Traditionally, um, you know, this is quite often a man's dominated by men because leadership has been dominated by men. So the XX in COPXX is the symbol of the woman. It's the chromosome of the woman. It's also oh. not a number because it doesn't stop with just, you know, a certain year. It's ongoing. Um, and it's really a call for a new voice and connection point for the planet. We um, advocate that the decision-making currently governed by you know, man-made laws and those making decisions really need to include and must value nature and the feminine and women. Yeah, yeah. and it, yes, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100% because <laughs> as mothers, we are, have that, that nurturing side to us. And of course, women should be right up there making decisions about our planet. Absolutely. I mean, we are the ones who bring life into this world, where, as does nature. We have something very in common with nature. Yeah. Um, and we want to honor the women and the indigenous people who actually reverence the feminine and protect. They actually protect over 80% of the world's biodiversity that creates life, not only for this planet, but for us. We couldn't survive without it. So it's time for the feminine in the planet and in all people to rise and to influence leadership in, a in creating policies of regeneration and restoration. Yeah. It's such, it's such an important thing as well, isn't it? I mean, I, I, you know, I'm obviously 
part of your cop xx movement as a man and i you know i stand for that and i think one of the big things you know being be, playing a male role in this life um you know most of the decisions that have got us into the mess that we're in with the climate crisis that we now know have been man-made decisions right we live in a patriarchal society you know all of the systems have been you know top down kind of man-made as you said decisions and laws and and actually we live in a you know we, we live in a in a in an environment that is absolutely based on balance you know without balance the ecosystem of our planet wouldn't survive everything's day or night in and out breath male and female you know everything is about balance yet we've created a society that is completely out of balance I mean, that's just insane. We need to sort that out right away. <laughs> well, that sounds like what COPEXX is, is actually going to be addressing. And uh, could I ask you, Diane, you know, why you're so drawn to female and women empowerment? Because it's not just COPEXX. I mean, you're involved in the Singer Foundation. You know, what, what is it that, that, that sparked that disconnect within you that made you want to put your energy and time into, into trying to solve this and fix this? Well, I've worked with women for years and years and years, probably my whole life. And women and children, especially women, uh, I just have, it, it comes from a very personal place where I know their pain. I understand what they go through. I understand not being listened to or not being valued. And because we, we are not valued as caregivers for our role when we're mothers, because it doesn't factor into a, a GDP of any country and it's really overlooked. I deeply relate to what's going on with the mother earth where um, we just overlook and undervalue or not value the resources that we take from her. And I think also, I'm really glad that you asked this question. My, my beginning of my birth comes from being a an abandoned baby at a Salvation Army hospital. Oh and my I did, God. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a mother um, for the first, you know, four, five, six months of my life. Um, I, and I was put into the foster care system and then was raised by a family. But I know how um, deeply we need to be cared for and how critical it is to our existence, not only as people, but as a planet. So that's why I've always been, you know, really drawn to women's causes and women, in particular mothers, because I'm the mother of four children. I'm the grandmother of four children. I know they understand the problem deeply because they live the problem. And I believe that the same with the indigenous populations, they've lived the problems, they understand the problems, they have the solutions. And we don't listen to those people. We don't listen to this group of people who really deeply understand the problems. And I wonder why we don't listen. Is it the guys, the men want money rather than find solutions that will help everybody on the planet? I, I don't understand why we aren't all working with the planet and, and with the people and making it such a better world. I suppose it's greed and money that takes over. I think so. I mean, I think that with only with love can real change happen. Yeah. And I don't think we really understand what love is. I mean, there's there's a deficit of, of love, of people really getting that. Um, maybe they weren't raised with it. Maybe we're seeing the product of um, generations, but we need to turn that around. We need to face this immense challenge, you know, with the desire to make a collective change for the love of our planet. 
and for the love of our children. You know, it's interesting because the indigenous populations, I was speaking with um, some representatives at the UN who work on regeneration and restoration for the climate change conference that's coming up. And they were so moved because they said the indigenous populations plan for seven generations ahead. They won't even change. Yeah, they won't even change the way they use their fishing nets at present. Um, And I don't remember which country it was, but so I won't quote the country, but their fishing nets, they could have gotten a a bigger catch um, if they changed the way their fishing nets were made. But they told the government because the government wanted them to change because it would help them catch more fish and be able to sustain themselves. And they said, if we do that, it will impact our children's children, seven, I mean, seven generations. So they're not planning to save themselves. They're planning more for the future. And that's what we all need to do, don't we? Yeah, we've forgotten that. We've forgotten all about yeah, that. Yeah, well, we've, we've forgotten it partly because of the system and the system keeps us tied into a, a short-term system, you know, particularly the big systems, which are kind of governments and politics. You know, it's so short-term thinking. I mean, I'm really yeah. lucky. I live, I live on an estate where the custodian of the estate has had this had this estate in his family for a thousand years. So it's such a gift to be able to talk to him because he doesn't think like anybody else I know thinks because he is constantly thinking about his, you know, his future generations. And it's that kind of thinking. Di, I'm interested, you know, if more women were involved in saving the planet, especially at, you know, corporate and political levels, what kind of progress do you think we'd make from your wisdom and experience of working with women? Well, for, be- for starters, I think that women need to feel and embrace and be comfortable with their feminine principles and intuition, which they naturally mm. have. Because when they get to leadership positions, quite often, they, in order to get there, they've had to really play in a man's world. And they've become very masculine and aligned with their masculine. So I, I, I hesitate to say that, you know, what we need to bring forward really is that intuition and that care for coming generations. Um, and so everyone should bring, I, what do I think would be if women who were aligned with the feminine were more in charge, we would have not exploitation and extraction and looking after the current best interest of the current generation, but we would move to an era of restoration and regeneration for coming generations. Um, I think we'd have more of a long-term perspective because we'd be much more aware of the youth. And the youth are rightfully angry about what's going on with the planet. And they, you know, we're having our children rise up and, and really um, demand change. So I think very powerful. And I think technology will be a powerful tool for this in the right hands. I think that it can help accelerate our change. What a perfect segue, because I was just about to ask you, because obviously your, you know, your, your bio, I mean, it, it's immense, but you seem to have been particularly focused on technology and innovation. It's at the heart of a lot of the work you, you do. So what sort of technologies can we, can we look to help us lead sustainable lives and save the planet? Yeah, I'm interested in that. <laughs> good, good. We all should be. There's so much technology out there right now yeah. that is, you know, causing harm to the planet, but it doesn't have to be that way. Um, and, and so, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of emerging technologies that are coming that 
um, actually will help um, save the planet if, if we can get them in the right hands and we can really focus on um, getting support for them. So they're not gonna be the quick 10X return always because they're usually for um, either humanitarian needs or they're to do something good for the planet. So, you know, I, I'll give you one example. Um, one of the winners at the UN, I, we held a challenge called Reboot the Earth. And we had submissions from all over the world from youth. It was primarily a youth challenge. And one of the winners was called Grow Your Own Cloud. And you can actually, in the plant DNA, you can hold all of your data storage in your house plants, in the water. Really? Wow. <laughs> what? That right? is amazing. That just amazing. I know. It's amazing. And you can extract your data from a plant and it doesn't ever die. Like the plant may die, but it's still in there. I can't, I can't get my head around that. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know it's mind blowing. It really is. So we're going to bring them a lot along with us to COPXX because we believe solutions like that are part of our yeah. future. You know, can you imagine wandering through a forest of trees that held, you know, the, the data for everyone <laughs> would be that is just beyond my, I can't, I can't even, <laughs> that's I fantastic. Know. <laughs> I know it is. Amazing. It is amazing, but but it, but it also. I mean, you know, in, in I guess in, in you know in Sanskrit and the, the ancient texts and things like that. You know, it's often described that all of the information that is held in our universe is available to everybody. They just have to be, uh, you know, tuned yeah. to the right frequency, right? So actually, yeah. as much as it's mind blowing, it's actually the simplicity of what you're saying. It sounds like a natural law. The problem is men as men again or man-made laws have tried to commercialize you know data and, and 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 information and put it into a system that, that that is monetized and that's actually the biggest problem that we have right now is everything yeah that be... that is a huge problem i mean you can see what's going on in the world right now and exactly. and it has to be in the right hands so maybe a woman's if it's in the woman's hands who take control of such an innovation as that maybe that's the answer yeah i, I agree and I, I absolutely support that you know yeah it's interesting you would say that because the creators of this are a man and a woman and he mm -hmm. is very aligned with the feminine um so it, it is he thinks in a very holistic way as does she but it's it's very very beautiful to see them work together in a very balanced way and I think to, to Jarvis's point, you know, that's really what we need is a restoration of this balance because we're, yeah. we're way out of balance with the masculine in all of us. Yeah, I agree. Another tool, um, Jarvis, that I think you would, might be interested in is the United Nations has a blockchain-based land registry solution. Mm -hmm. And they're piloting it in Afghanistan right now. Um, and I think it's an amazing solution because it can also be used for people that want to prove that they have that piece of land. And there's so many at the core of, of imbalance. We have that as, you know, the land that women need to be able to prove that they own a piece of land. Um, the indigenous populations need to be able to prove that they own a piece of land so that they can protect it. Um, and it's, in Afghanistan, I think, for the first time, we're having people going to banks to get mortgages because they can prove they own a piece of land. 
And especially as we have climate crisis coming and, and borders are washed away and, you know, borders change and land changes. And so it's going to be so important to have a registry like this. You know, COVID has had such a major impact on the whole planet. How does it affect your role in the World Health Organization innovation team? Oh, thank you so much. You know, it was such an honor to be on the World Health Organization innovation team. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was. I mean, COVID has just um, wreaked havoc for so many people and it's heartbreaking. Um, but we are um, getting, I think, um, progress. We, we focus on our team, we focus on scalable solutions that are going to save lives. So one of our, our key programs is getting oxygen to people because in developing countries, quite often they don't, they can't afford oxygen tanks um, and the oxygen concentrators that they can use to pull oxygen out of the air quite often doesn't, it needs energy to, to run and they don't have electrification that's sustainable. So we put together some, you know, seemingly simple tools um, with solar powered panels and running the oxygen concentrators and we are, you know, we're saving lives. So sometimes, you know, we think of, you know, these first world kind of issues, but we very much, you know, work on third world um, conditions and our innovation is going to be very um, much you know, it's more contextual for some of the needs in the developing countries. Um, but we are saving lives and we need more vaccine equity right now. Um, and uh, that's, it's an ongoing process. It's a bit massive challenge right now. Yeah, I love, I love what you've said because we often think about technologies as some, some kind of modern, you know, something new. That, but actually, you know, technologies are ancient, aren't they? I mean, there's exactly there's so many ways of doing things that doesn't need to be uh, a modernized version of what, 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 what works successfully uh, with, you know, less supplies, less materials, resourcing what's already there. And I mean, the, the, the list goes on. So I love what you've just said there. Thank you for that. That was inspiring. So... Oh. Can I ask you outside of your kind of work, which there probably isn't an outside of your work by the sounds of things, but yeah. how do you try to live sustainably in, in your own life? Like, what are the things that, that you do to, to, to feel, oh, feel better about being sustainable? I have a passion for um, plants and herbs and trees. So I plant as much as I can. I surround myself with as much green space as I can. Um, even if it's in an apartment building with plants <laughs> in New York City. So I, I live most of the time in New York City. Um, and in the past, it's been in high rise apartments. And I just try and surround myself with plants. I try and um, be as sustainable as I can in my lifestyle. I mean, I think sometimes that's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you live in the city. I think when you live, I mean, I live off grid in the countryside. So. Um, but I, I've always found it hard in, in London to live more sustainably. But now I, I think I've got it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, lucky you. Lucky you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I am, very, I am very lucky and I'm very grateful. So, um, uh, you know, it, it does get hard sometimes when the backup generator fails and 
my electricity and all power is gone. <laughs> but, you know, I, do, I think, you know, Joe, you've made a conscious life choice to live that way. And, you know, yes, you, you could say you're lucky, but actually I would say you're, you're just living your purpose. You've chosen to live in a certain way and you've made that happen. And that that's a commendable thing. So I wouldn't say there's much luck. I would say more, more commitment and passions, but that would be my observation. Thank you, Jarvis. Well, I would like to know what one tip you could give the audience, Diane, to live more live more sustainably today. Yeah, I think my tip would be, given the fact that we just talked about how hard it is to find this in the city sometimes, I, I think we need to start with this deep gratitude for everything we touch. You know, whether it's, yeah. I remember one time um, I heard someone I don't know. I think I was quite feeling quite disconnected and I had a cup of uh, an herbal tea in my hand and I started thinking, well, how did this end up in my hand? You know, how did this yeah. really, how, how did I get these tea leaves? They, and I could kind of vision their journey from being in a ground somewhere cared, cared for by, you know, a person who had to actually take it out of the ground and harvest it and process it and send it and all the people and resources that had to go to get it into my little cup to have a daily cup of tea. And to me, that kind of deep gratitude for the earth that allows us to grow and transport something like that into my hand in a city. I mean, I think at the heart of things, it has to be like acknowledgement and gratitude for what we eat, wear, use every day. Um, that's just at the basis. And that's, I mean, that's so, it sounds so simple, but it really is the biggest motivator for change, gratitude and love and respect. I absolutely agree. And I, um, I think we've lost our way, haven't we? Most people and don't even know or think about where things come from and how the journey that they've been on. But uh, yeah, I agree. Well, I'm so grateful for people that are actually living the truth of how we need to live, like you, Joe, and you, Jarvis, because honestly, you're like a, a beacon. I mean, how you live your life and the things you say and do, um, they're very inspiring. And I think that more of us need to be exposed to it and more of us need to have it in a positive, fun way that you, you, you both seem to convey the message that this is this is happiness it's yeah. it's not what you're doing it's happy <laughs> i think we we need to I, I well i want to be part of the solution not the problem so that's what i say nearly every day yeah and you are and you are and uh, you know and and, and 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 i think diane the work that you've done and uh, continue to do and are clearly going to be doing in the very near future with CopXX is super commendable. I'm so pleased yes. that we've had a chance to speak with you. You're an inspiration. And, and, and thank you for all the work that you do. It's been great to have you on the My Green Podcast. And we hope to have you back again soon to talk about what's evolving with CopXX. We really look forward to that journey. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I would love to join you anytime. I really feel like the women of the world are going to unite and we're, <laughs> we're going to be a voice for change. So uh, that's my thing. And Joe, you need to join us. So there you I'd go. I'd love to. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs>
that's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed and gained some really useful tips on living ethically. If you did, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to give us a five-star rating so that others wanting a greener lifestyle can find us. Thank you to our guest, Diane Dane. We'll put links to her website in the show's notes. Follow us on Joe Wood Official and My Green Pod. For more tips and the latest ethical news, go to mygreenpod.com or you can email us at hello at mygreenpod.com. Bye. 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 My Green Podcast was presented by Jarvis Smith, Katie Hill and Joe Wood. It was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions. Music by The Phoenix Rose.